SMS is the most powerful marketing channel, stronger than ever. The best and most effective personal communication channel. The trials and tribulations of verification. We don't have all the answers. How do you ratchet up the value of every message? Finding that that happy medium is in text. And welcome back to the State of Business Texting podcast. We are so excited to have not one, but two amazing guests joining us today. We've got Mr. Stefan Heller from the Campaign Registry or TCR. And then we've also got our internal compliance team expert, Mr. Luke Thompson. They're here today to talk with us about the current business text messaging path to market for all the channels within the United States. Oh, and Zach, before we get started, I want to remind listeners that our full State of Messaging 2024 report is live at stateofmessaging.com for you to peruse, download, share, read in the tub, whatever you want. This is the third episode in our podcast series. And as a reminder, last time we talked about the widening industry options. Today, we're going to go a bit deeper on those requirements for each of those main number types. Awesome. And that is a great segue into introducing our first guest, Mr. Stefan Heller. Would you mind introducing yourself and a little bit about your role at the campaign registry? Sure. So name's Stefan Heller. I am the Vice President of Business Development and Strategic Partnerships. So at the campaign registry, my role is really to work with all of the stakeholders that are uh, using the registry. In some cases for different ways, but ultimately to always ensure that they know what is happening across their respective networks. And that means I'm talking to companies like Bandwidth, DCAs, CSPs, uh, the CNPs, the connectivity partners, and also with, of course, some of the key stakeholders that we have, which are the US carriers. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the role that TCR, the campaign registry, actually serves in the industry and the ecosystem itself? Sure. Within the ecosystem, there's always been a need to understand what is actually running across the various connection points that uh, eventually terminate and end up with a consumer uh, who is on a carrier's network. So this understanding of who and what, who are you and what are you doing? It's kind of like having a great club that everybody wants to get into and there's a bouncer <laughs> on the door and they go, are you on the list? Who are you? You know, <laughs> have you registered? We'll let you in. And those that are misbehaving, they get turfed out. So with the registry, we basically are a point at which a CSP, a campaign service provider who has obviously customers that are the brands or DCAs, such as bandwidth, who also have customers that are CSPs, but also have customers that are brands direct, they can register within TCR that who and the what. The who is the brand, the what is the campaign the brand is planning to run, or campaigns that the brands are, are planning to run. And that ultimately means that there's transparency and information in the ecosystem. With that transparency and information, people can then make decisions on whether they feel there needs to be more information requested because they're not sure if this is totally accurate for what the consumer would prefer to receive. Or there could be a question mark over some other compliance issues. And, and remember, 
TCR is not a compliance house. We don't sit there making compliance judgment calls. These are things that bandwidth does and does extremely well. And, and Luke's probably going to talk into all of those wonderful things. And that's the critical part where for any brand working with the right messaging partner is so critical in this ecosystem because they're the ones that will really give you the advice about what you should be doing, what you should not be doing based on uh, current best practices and guidelines issued by CTIA and also by the carriers themselves. And it's, a, it's about ensuring that, can you explain a bit more about this just so we're totally clear how you're actually communicating this message to ultimately the end consumer? I think fundamentally, we've come to know that as KYC, right, across a, the voice space, we see that as well, the know your customer piece. And you are essentially like a database, right, of that KYC. Like you you help facilitate a neutral ground with which to store this information so that the industry can access it and understand who should actually be sending on that authorized A to P channel for our, our long code, our 10-digit long code channel. And it's critically important that... Everybody understands, you know, on day X at time Y, this campaign, this brand was entered, this campaign was created. And its overarching thing is to, I'm going to run a two-factor authentication program for um, a membership, whatever that is, right? And so the next person in the chain looks at it and goes, oh, it's a two-factor authentication shit thing for a membership. And then go to the website, it looks cool. The next person in the chain, what is this? Oh, it's a two-factor. You know, Everybody gets the same piece of, of information, which means there's consistency in the information. So there's a consistent review. And that means that ultimately people can then say, yes, this we should, you know, the DCA who is responsible for ensuring that they're viewing this stuff correctly and they're terminating this stuff correctly into the carrier's networks endorses it and supports it and goes, yes, we reviewed it, we've checked it, we think this is good. I mean, that's the role of the DCA is to check that compliance at the end of the day. Everybody in the chain really should be doing it. You know, it shouldn't sure. just be left to the DCA to do. Everybody should have that responsibility. If you're getting into into the messaging in infrastructure and, and planning to, to aggregate and help people navigate through sending A to P messaging of any kind, there's an irrespective of the message sender. You have a responsibility to make sure that you're not helping bad actors <laughs> get into the system and do bad things. You want good messaging. You want the ecosystem to be as clean as possible because that's what's going to encourage people to carry on using it. Correct. And that's that's a lot of what, whenever we're having customer conversations, it's the, the reason why you want to use messaging as a medium is because it has such high engagement rates. It has such high open rates and click-through rates. And with the role that TCR plays, you're helping ensure that that happens now and in the future so that we, we make sure that we truly know what is going across the networks. You're absolutely correct. And the key thing is that when what we're doing is nothing that was not really being done before. And maybe before it was, you know, a phone call. It was, hey, um, we're so-and-so, we're going to be doing this. And someone goes, okay, that's great. Then it was an email. Hey, I'm going to send you the information on an email. We've just centralized it, put it, uh, made it available via APIs and UIs, and just been able to really document it and put event logs around it. So there is, you know, the hell to what they say. On this day, you said you were going to do this. Why did you change it? If it was changed, you can start to trap things and catch things faster 
because you have a date and time stamp of when somebody said they were going to do X. And if they suddenly change, they're going to be doing Y. Either they didn't realize they can update the information, and that's what they really should be doing. They should be telling people like bandwidth, oh, you know that marketing campaign? It's now a sales campaign. And the, the response from a consumer can be very different. So if a consumer is suddenly responding to a message and going, no, stop, 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 stop. It might not be that the original message was bad. It's just that the original message is no longer being sent. Right. It's actually sure. changed message. Or it could be just a bad actor who's trying to get in there and send spam. I, I think what you said a bit ago is incredibly important to reemphasize that it's it's not necessarily anything about this registration process in and of itself that's fundamentally new. We've seen, you mentioned email and other channels like voice, but in the text messaging space alone, short codes have been around for decades. And there has been a much more stringent process to register your short code. Uh, subsequently, toll-free came along. That was sort of the next approved ADP channel. And 10DLC, I think, has been more heartache around that simply because all of us in this room have access to a long code number. We all have access to a long code number. And so, and just the blast radius, if you will, the, the accessibility, which is one of the great benefits of 10DLC and sort of the fact that it is tied to these local geos and the individual businesses tie that to their brand identity. All of that is part of the, the beauty of this 10DLC, but it's also created a lot steeper of a learning curve. And I'm sure you talking to CSPs like us, enterprises, you know, aggregators across the industry, I'm sure you've seen that as well. Yeah. I mean, th there has been a massive learning curve. I mean, 10DLC, you know, what does it stand for? 10 digit long codes. Nobody said we were, you know, geniuses and what we came up with. Prior to 10DLC, it was commonly called long codes. And it was a little bit like the wild, wild west that the, in that long code space, there was business traffic happening and it was basically unsanctioned traffic. And so when the carriers started looking at it and the ecosystem really, not just the carriers, but the whole ecosystem started looking at it and going, how can we really clean up this space and really make it viable? Because it just seemed to be, no one, everybody kind of, you know, said things in hushed whispers about long codes. And it was like, oh, you're running a long code? Yeah, well, don't tell anybody. So when it came to, to basically, I think uh, I, I remember one person said to me, think of long codes as it's the stuff you have down in a basement you never go into. And when 10 DLC came about, somebody basically took a bunch of floodlights into the basement, switched them on and were like, what's in here? You know, all the rats the go bats scurrying. The flew out, yeah. <laughs> the bats flew out, yeah. And, but you find some gems. You find some, yeah. oh, I didn't realize that was the here. I didn't realize that was there. And that's, <laughs> maybe it's a terrible analogy, but I, I, Love I it. think you're that- two, you're, I think of, you're two for two on the analogies <laughs> <yeah>. today. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, we, that the development from long code to 10DLC was long overdue. It was long overdue for many reasons. People- had no idea what was happening in that space. You really didn't know who was running things that were totally bona fide and who were running things that were not. And so you need to go in, you need to shine that spotlight on and say to people, register what you're doing. All you've got to do is tell us what you're doing and that's, that's it. But the problem is, is that when you haven't had to tell anybody what you were doing, then the learning curve to then tell people what you were doing is huge. If you've done short codes before, if you would have been doing short codes or toll free, you were like, oh yeah, I, I get it. There's this process. There's this registration we have to do. We have to tell people what we're doing. But if you've never had to do that, it's like, why do I have to tell somebody? 
I've been running this business perfectly fine. Nobody had an issue with it. Well, nobody actually knows what you're doing. So it's debatable whether there was or there was not an issue because we don't know what, what you're actually sending. So tell us what you're sending and then we can decide which is the better way to send it. It could be, actually, you're sending such a huge volume on 10 DLC. You should actually be on shortcode. You get more value out of running it on shortcode. So let's use the right message sender for the right deliver, the, the right, really the right delivery method to deliver your message in the format and the form that you wanted to the end user. That could be toll-free, it could be shortcode, it could be 10 DLC. The choice is really from a marketing perspective, how do you want to communicate? How have you been communicating? What is your communication plan? Sure, that's good. So Stefan, gonna kind of change the subject. What is the TCR looking to solve for? What are the main goals or major initiatives you guys are looking to to get into in 2024? A lot of it is getting out of the way, to be honest. The whole point about any registration process is that by the virtue of it's a registration, there is an element of friction. You want to decrease the friction so that you can see that there's something of value to be uh, to be had when you're actually registering the information and that your messaging campaign then starts to work as fast as possible. The key things for TCR in 2024 is really looking at migrations. People have choices. They have choices of where they want to go and we should not be in the way. We need to get out of the way. We need to make sure that if people want to change their DCA, want to change their CSP, CNP, this is something that they can do. Now, can they do it at the moment? Yes. It's a, it's a little bit more convoluted and it's uh, there's certainly a degree of complexity. So what we want to do is remove the complexity and put the ownership of that control back in the hands where it should be, which is with the CSPs, DCAs, that if they have made a business and, and, and business decision to move their traffic for whatever reason to somebody else for whatever reason that's not for us to decide whether that's good bad indifferent that is definitely not for us to decide at all we just need to facilitate it and facilitate it in the right way ensure that the the people are have the right communication elements so that they understand what they're doing they understand what they're approving and they understand that they have a commitment to ensure that messaging is still being maintained to a high standard and to meeting all of the CTIA best practices. So migration is one of the key things, I would say, that mm -hmm. we're looking at the series of, of migration tools or migra migration processes that are going to help everybody to do what they do from a commercial perspective and, like I say, TCR kind of like stepping out of the way. Yet at the same time, doing what we do, which is the communication factor, ensuring that communication is there. The other element is also about the ability for people to add information when perhaps that basic information isn't enough. So you know, one of the things that we do is we register a brand, first of all. In that brand registration, sometimes there is a frustration, especially from new companies. And they'll say, well, we're a brand new company. And we're like, yeah, it's not your fault. It's not TCR's fault. It's not Bandwidth's fault. Your hard-earned dollars at work mean that the government's IRS database is not updated as fast as it normally should be. So it might take your information to get your accurate information taken from the form that the IRS have given you to actually get into a database that we can ping and confirm. That might take three months. It might take six months. 
you're going to get that piece of paper from the IRS confirming that you are a for, you know, upright, forthright business and you know have all these, you have an EIN, you have this information. And so one of the things we're looking at is what, when someone's registering, why not have them be able to add that document? So actually have a document upload facility so that people could upload documents. They could respond to requests for more information, also centralize it in some way so that uh, people like Bandwidth can say, okay, our customers deliver this information we should be able to do it all within our portal or all within the APIs of what customers need to do and ensure that there is clear communication to everybody through the chain. So it's a lot of um, looking what we're do- looking at what we're doing and tweaking it to make sure that we're doing it better and we're doing it faster and listening, especially one of the key things, always good in any relationship, listening to everybody that we work with and seeing what are the little frustrating things because it's not Big things everybody can fix. This thing's broken, go and fix it. Okay, great. But it's the nails on the chalkboard bit. If you're having a problem, there's probably 20 other people who are silent on it that are having the same issue. So the key thing is communication stepping out of the way. Yeah. I mean, I think that the fact that the couple of things you listed off, what's very indicative of those priorities is the fact that I've heard multiple customers talk about challenges around those issues migrations specifically, updating continuous integrity of the data, maintaining that, that you manage and the ease of which it is to just do that thing, right? Just do their jobs, removing the burden so the customers can go focus on their day-to-day. Because I know that you do love the voice of customer and in are really enriched in that, if any of our listeners wanted to contact you after listening to this podcast or uh, just reach out and connect, how would they do that? There's an info at campaignregistry.com, which you can just send a request to. And we have five people that are constantly reviewing that email address. And we try and get responses within a 24 to 48 hour period out to that. Stefan, thanks so much for joining us today. It was hugely insightful. And any final words you want to say to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, the key thing is, is that the registration process is relatively painless. If you listen to your account managers and the folks at places like Bandwidth, because they really understand, they really know what's needed to actually move through this in a seamless fashion. And so if you come prepared, you will have a great experience. If you don't come prepared or you come with objections, it's just going to prolong the process that you have to go through. This is a good thing. Letting people know what you're doing in messaging is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. So do what is the what is right for your customers, for your business. Let people know what you're doing and let's all have some great messaging. Well said. Thanks so much again, Stefan. And before we get to talking about toll-free and short codes with Luke Thompson, let's take a second and hear a word from our sponsor. Dazzling text light, shimmering delivery receipts, a secret paradise. Immerse yourself in business messaging with bandwidth. Bandwidth. Bandwidth for messaging support that transcends. Like a phoenix from the ashes of undelivered messages. Like lightning through the cloud of confusion. When you're in the Colosseum of messaging, bandwidth. For messaging support that transcends.
That was a great conversation with Stefan a little bit about 10DLC, and we're excited to talk more about some of the other channel options with toll-free and short codes. And we're joined by Mr. Luke Thompson to talk a little bit more about that. But before we jump in, Luke would love to have you introduce yourself and the role you play at Bandwidth. Sure. Thanks. Uh, My name is Luke Thompson. I manage Bandwidth's messaging compliance team. What we do is try our best to understand the messaging landscape when it comes to compliance, registration. So that looks like being involved in direct conversations with our aggregators, vendors, and the mobile carriers. We work on all three of the main messaging channels in the U.S., 10DLC as we talked about, but also toll-free and short code. Luke, you were actually here in the room while we were talking with Stefan and TCR, the campaign registry, they focus very much on the 10 DLC channel. And as we alluded to earlier, the toll-free channel as well as the short code channel sort of preceded 10 DLC in terms of, you know, evolutionary stages as far as messaging is concerned. And so toll-free that came in the middle, we've even seen a lot of changes just over the last few years. Really over the last 12 months, you could even say the volume and velocity of toll-free is high. So talk to us a little bit more about what you've seen in the toll-free space? Certainly. uh, I think toll-free, if I remember correctly, it was late 2022 when verification started to really ramp up. Previously, you were able to send messages at lower rates when you were unverified, then it changed to uh, you could only send while you were pending verification, meaning you were pending the industry's toll-free aggregator decision on your use case, on your opt-in flow, making sure they deemed it to be compliant. Uh, And now it's become even more restrictive to the point where on January 31st, so you will no longer be able to send without being verified. Even pending status will be blocked from sending. So over the past 12 months or so, we've definitely seen the toll-free channel become more closely aligned with the short code channel where you can only send once you are approved. There's no quicker path to just picking up your toll-free number and sending. You have to go through the approval, the verification process. So Luke, just some peek behind the curtain, some educational, making sure everyone understands the terms. Toll-free verification, there are kind of three stages that a number can go through. Would love for you to talk a little bit more about what are those stages? How do enterprises, messaging senders go through each of those to hopefully get fully verified? Can you talk with us a little bit about that? Sure. The three stages, each toll-free number starts as restricted or unverified. That is the default setting until you submit a toll-free verification request. This means simply that the toll-free number has not been submitted. It is not verified. Uh, The next status, once you submit your request, is the toll-free number goes into pending verification status. Effective January 31st, 2024, pending verification numbers will no longer be able to send traffic. So the third status and most critical status is verified. That happens when the toll-free aggregator makes a decision on your use case, your opt-in flow and verifies the toll-free number. This enables message senders to begin sending live production traffic. Yeah, and I think you've already hit on the throughput limitations associated with 
toll-free verified status. However, maybe to pick on sort of that a little bit, if a number is fully verified, for example, is there any situation where the number would change status? Toll-free verification status can change. Uh, The only way that that happens is if there is a blocking event. Generally, this would happen with uh, consumer spam complaints, a high rate of consumer opt-outs, or some sort of traffic, uh, some verbiage in the content of the message that tags a carrier or the toll-free aggregator filter or just your messaging provider's own filters. So it is possible for verification to be revoked and then go back to restricted status. Yeah. And in in a situation like that, I think that's where customers would reach out to someone like your team, perhaps. Yes. You would reach out to my team or, you know, the similar team at your messaging provider, whoever would be reviewing those toll-free numbers. Luke, being in a number of customer conversations, I know that a big question on their mind, and I'm sure one that you get asked a lot too, is that happy path of moving from unverified to verified and the timeline associated with that. Yeah. Historically, we've seen toll-free verification can take weeks, but awesome news uh, in recent times, we've seen that change. It's, it's become a lot quicker. We're seeing most verification requests turn around within one business week, you know, five business days. I'll call back to what Stefan had to say. It really is important to be clear about what you're doing, who you are and what you're doing. If you provide that information up front and you're clear and robust, you know, that puts you on that happy path that you're talking about. It puts you on your way to a quick verification, that one week turnaround. Um, if you're unclear or come with objections, your timeline will be longer. You'll likely get denied uh, up front and have to make edits, have to make changes, have conversations with your messaging provider about what you need to do to move forward. The happy path. I love that. So nowhere is that more important, I would say, than in the short code space. So transitioning to another messaging channel that your team manages Luke, is the the sort of the approval process for getting a short code stood up. And the timelines there are longer, traditionally have been much longer. It is the more bulletproof, rather for lack of a better word, channel, right? The sort of the OG of business text messaging. So maybe walk us through why short codes take long and also just more importantly, how customers can ensure that their timelines on short codes stay minimal? Yeah. Short codes, as you mentioned, they are the the OG, the oldest platform for business text messaging. So their processes have been in place for longer and they require more information. Again, calling back to what Stefan had highlighted about who are you and what are you doing with short codes, you have to provide more of that information. You have to dig a little deeper, reveal a little bit more. Uh, The mobile carriers themselves review the short code campaign briefs. There's simply more requirements. And so to stay on that that language we're using, the happy path for short codes for your quickest approval, you're going to want to make sure that you are in communication with 
your customer, the, the end message sender, the end business behind the short code program and understand what they're doing, understand, you know, how they're collecting consent from consumers, what types of messages they're going to be sending and help them understand all of the requirements. And if you have questions about those specific requirements to short code, you could definitely reach out to my team or you know whoever your messaging provider. Certainly, they would have some support to discuss your short code campaign. Even before we move on, I may put an even bolder emphasis around that. And so because the process is lengthy and because it's more arduous, if a submission goes in and is lacking information or is ambiguous or requires additional due diligence, the time to market exponentially increases because you kind of have to get sent all the way back to the beginning and redo the process. And the process itself tends to be a bit lengthier. And so I think for short codes, it's even more important, right, to ensure that that initial campaign brief itself is incredibly solid and really rigorously vetted before it's actually going through that full approvals process. Is that, are you seeing that correlate, you know, in your experience? Definitely. Businesses that we work with that have that bulletproof uh, campaign brief ahead of time, we've seen much quicker turnaround times getting their short codes approved. If not, it turns into a giant game of telephone from your messaging provider to your end customer all the way to the carriers. There's so many parties that get involved with short codes and um, we all know that telephone never works. (laughs) (laughs) Does not, does not. You kind of already mentioned um, the happy path to keep using that word for toll free. It takes on average like a business week, five business days. Talk to us about 10 DLC and then short codes. Like what timelines are we typically seeing for getting those number types approved to start sending messages at the highest throughput they're allowed. Sure. For 10 DLC, there's several steps involved, but once you get your campaign submitted, uh, there is a vetting process and we generally see similar to toll free. It takes about five business business days to get approved. Stefan kind of highlighted the, the TCR approval process and that's what the brand verification as he mentioned, it takes minutes. So all in all, the quickest turnaround time should be within a week or so on a campaign for 10 DLC. For short code, the timelines, it really depends on the quality of your original submission. If the original brief is quality, it's bulletproof, it's clear and documented, uh, we've seen as fast as three weeks. There we that, go. That's, that's sort of that nirvana state. That's, that's the happy path. With all of the registrations and information that's being provided across all of the messaging channels, there's more information accessible to providers, aggregators, carriers. And with that, as the, the end goal from the carriers is to protect the consumer, they're making sure that the content that's, that's traversing their networks matches what was registered. And that's why it's so important to be clear uh, about who you are and what you're doing. That's really the concept of campaign drift is that what you're doing no longer matches what you said you were going to do. And if that changes, that's okay. You'll just need to edit that submission on whatever channel that was. If it's 10 DLC, update your campaign in the campaign registry. If it's toll-free, submit a new toll-free verification request. 
If it's short code, you'll need to make an amendment to that program. There are ways to do that. They may take a little bit of time. It's essentially a resubmission, but it's critical because, as you mentioned, the carriers, the whole industry really is clamping down on making sure people are being honest and transparent about what they're doing. Yeah, really insightful. And Luke, thanks again for joining us. Before we log off, a few things. One, if someone wants to connect with you personally, how could they do that? And then two, if they're a bandwidth customer and they want to get into contact with you or your team, how could they do that? Yeah. Uh, well, first you can find me on LinkedIn, Luke Thompson. I'm there. I'm glad to connect, chat uh, if you would like. Uh, you can also reach out to my team. We have an email. It's msgcompliance at bandwidth.com, uh, short for messaging compliance, very creative. My team monitors that. We'll be glad to chat. You could also simply, if you're customer bandwidth, reach out to your account manager or your customer success manager. They could connect you with me or my team as well. Your team, I think, is probably some of the secret sauce that makes bandwidth so great and makes customers want to continue working with us. So thanks listeners for tuning in. Next time we're going to be back to talk about how messaging is becoming even more personal and how businesses are getting great ROI, not just from SMS, but also from MMS. We are so thankful that you guys tuned in. Thanks, Luke, for joining us. Thanks, Caitlin, again, for an excellent podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.